Right, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host, as always, Matt Gardner. I'm a nutritional therapist by trade and I work in corporate wellness, mostly endurance, sport and performance, things like that. So, um, yeah, the pod is supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. So after you listen to this, get on over to the to the show notes. Everything you need is in there. And um, yeah, you can explore the products. So today we've got Dr. Peter Foley back on the show. Uh, Just before we started recording, we're kind of gassing around how uh, the episode we recorded is a year old. So we got into exactly what Peter does and as a a doctor, some background, some of his studying, some of the work on the low car program. So I think, yeah, it's it's really good to get him back on. He's waiting patiently. So um, yeah, mate, let's get into it. How are you doing? Mate, definitely. You broke up a little bit there, so maybe um oh. just give give some of the new listeners a little bit of a rundown of um yeah, your your background, how you got into medicine and then obviously um you know what what you've been doing since we last spoke. Okay, so um, is the sound okay now? Yeah, perfect, mate. Yeah, good. So for any new listeners, um, I'm Peter, I'm a GP. I work in the NHS and I'm based in Bristol. Um, I moved over from Ireland in 2006 to go to medical school. I studied in what was then the Peninsula Medical School in Exeter and Plymouth. And after that, I went, and I suppose during med school, I was quite keen in primary care, general population health, and at the time I didn't realise it was called metabolic syndrome, but things like blood pressure, diabetes, um, poor cholesterol, and a natural progression was to go on to become a GP. Did my training for that in Somerset, and um, it was during that GP training I also uh, did a master's in sports medicine in Bath, and uh, it was really there that I really developed my passion for metabolic health and when I talk about metabolic health I'm looking at things like blood pressure, obesity, diabetes, altered cholesterol and all those together combined um, add a a lot of what I see as a GP. I was finding that a lot of my work was I would say 60 to 70 percent of my work as a GP um, all comes down to patients who can have their lifestyle optimized in some way which can then have a knock-on effect on better health outcomes which we can measure so um i now do that work as a gp um i also work since i spoke to you last i work in a local minor injuries hospital unit in a hospital and we're upgrading that to what's called an urgent treatment center so um it's kind of like a mini a e so i'm doing that which is quite interesting especially now with with COVID going on. Um, and then when I'm not doing either of those two jobs, I work with a digital health company called Diabetes Digital Media. And we've created um, several platforms, including diabetes.co.uk, which has got the world's largest diabetes online community. And we've also created the Low Carb Program and Grow Health, among other um, apps, which are designed at sustaining optimization of lifestyle particularly around people with metabolic health so it's been quite good since i saw you last um got married um which is all great and yeah really enjoying um enjoying the job which i feel really privileged to say because I, I know not everyone can say that um and yeah it's been very interesting times and i'm, I'm sure we'll touch on covid and uh, i know some of your listeners have sent some questions in so we'll try and get those later on as well mate 100 percent. no it's, it's so good to hear everything that you're doing and obviously for a listener point of view, I'll bang everything you need in the show notes and some of those resources. But mate, you um since we spoke as well, you you both um took some time off, didn't you? Obviously that that might seem quite a, quite a while ago. Everyone's now in isolation and not travelling. But you um am I correct in saying you you've moved practices and and you both went and travelled for a bit? How was that? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So what happened was um my wife was made of honour for a wedding in New Zealand. So we decided, listen, we're not going to, I mean, we're definitely going to go, but why not take some time off and travel around when we got there? So uh, it was, I was one of the people in med school, so I got through GP, uh, med school training and then 
a lot of my friends, they took a gap year or two, or in some cases three, um, went to New Zealand, went to Australia, travelled around, whereas I kind of kept the head down. Um, I basically played rugby. I was living in Belfast at the time, so I was playing rugby and working hard, really. So I kept the head down and I did my GP training within five years, which is the, the quickest you can do it, really. But the the um, the upside that was I had no kind of time off, if you like. So I realised when I did my, G, my final GP exam, um, I had been in an examination year pretty much since uh, my leaving the sort of or a levels which was 2005 so I, I had a good old uh 15 16 years of exams so i thought i need a bit of a break here so um it just tied in quite well so uh my wife and i went down to new zealand and uh i'm not sure if you've been have you, have you been to new zealand Matt? no i really want to go yeah, it's definitely it something fun. i want to do i it, love my it outdoors was really, really nice. I've, I've had some close friends who spend significant time out there and they were saying it's really uh it's very peaceful and the people are very humble and the living is very, it's very clean, I guess. And um, when we got there, yeah, it was just spectacular. We, we spent two weeks touring the North Island and two weeks touring the South Island. Uh, we got a car rather than getting a camper van. And um, yeah, it was really nice. And actually it was great for us because we got married about nine months later that year. So it was really nice time to kind of um, check in with each other really and spend some really quality time together. So we spent four weeks in New Zealand and then came back and did 10 days in Thailand. Um, which was very nice as well and, and very relaxing but um i would have no hesitation in going back to new zealand to spend some time there so who knows in another year or two i could be calling you from uh, from new zealand but um yeah it's certainly a great country so uh, i have nothing but positive things to say about it and the people are lovely so um if, if any of your listeners have considered going um i certainly would recommend yeah no i really wanted to discuss that with you because i think um we're obviously going to dive into a lot of things around health testing yeah. Um, how you're getting yeah. on around the COVID and uh, pandemic and, and the changes in, in your daily work and practice. But, you yeah. know, you are you, you go through a lot of the basics around lifestyle medicine. And, um, you know, obviously people that follow you online, they can see some of the food and things that you eat. But, you know, it's yeah. important to take some time off, like you said, and you spent, what, 15 years studying, working, practicing, honing your craft as a practitioner. So um, you yeah. probably got quite a lot from that time off. And then I think following you on social media, you were starting to post about how you're looking forward to getting back into it. Obviously, you would never have known how busy and hectic you are now, but I suppose you picked up quite a lot of energy and vitality from that break. And obviously, you're trying to, to do your best now. And, and, and it's quite fortunate that you had that time off. Yeah, you know what? It's very funny, Matt, because when we were away, and that was, uh, I guess, 15 months ago, we went away now, but and it was a real luxury trip to do it, and, you know, and I was lucky that I left one job and could pick up another one when I got back, so I, I, I appreciate that the position that I was in was um, a privileged one, really, because of the nature of the, the job I do, and my wife is the same. And I think what really helped me as a natural break was i suppose as as we often find ourselves now in covid is kind of enforced time to reflect and it, it, i guess it, it was quite passive reflection really because we had a prolonged time off but it made me really re-establish where i'm going and what i want to do and having done the research i've done and kind of read the papers i've read i suppose my real area of interest is lifestyle um so you, you know sleep nutrition exercise managing stress which feeds into longevity pretty nicely, actually. But it all comes down to the basics, you know. So, for instance, in New Zealand, people are generally in bed by nine, half nine at night, and they're up at five, they're out. And if somebody in New Zealand asks what you do, they generally don't mean what do you do for work. It's how do you spend your time? Do you hike? Do you swim? Do you do triathlons? Do you do mountain bikings? Do you surf? And uh, that was really nice to kind of, being a different environment where I kind of made me question, well, what do I do apart from work? <laughs> and I am quite lucky in the sense that my external passions are medicine related and kind of lifestyle related. So I enjoy reading journals on this kind of stuff. And that's my way of kind of relaxing. Um, but I, I, outside of that, it made me kind of just take a step back and think, right, where are we going? What's the next couple of years going to look like? And you're dead right. Now that we're faced with COVID, not only is it a, a diff time now for people working in the healthcare environment, 
when all this settles down, and it's difficult to know when that will be exactly, there's going to be a tsunami of other health issues which have neglected, um, which we will be left to kind of manage down the line. So yeah. uh, it's certainly going to be a marathon, this one. So um, it was good to get that time off when we did. Definitely. No, you're so right. And I think, like you said, we just have to take each day as it comes. But especially for yourself as a GP, um, you're going to be quite wary, like you said, of, of people's um, physical health, but also their mental health and things. So I suppose if we fast forward to... Absolutely. And... Go on, mate. Go on. No, after you, after you. Yeah, just keen to kind of unpick, obviously... Uh, day to day, used to see patients in clinic and things like that, and uh, and at the surgery. How how has that changed for listeners? And then it'd be good to obviously get into some of the topics and conversations that you're having. I assume now yeah, over great. the phone and 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 via video with with your patients. Yeah, Matt, I mean, it's it's completely turned on its head. It's completely turned on its head. So we came back from our honeymoon um, the end of towards the middle of the end of February. And we thought, yeah, this COVID seems to be really kind of, really being a big problem in China. I, like, I wonder if it'll come to the UK. And then um, fast forward two or three weeks and you had that half term and there was a sign that it was getting worse in Italy. And then it seemed to just bang, it just hit. And, you know, on a personal level, you kind of go for, I wonder if, if, if it will come to, oh my goodness, just how bad is this going to be? Because we all saw the photographs of, um, hospitals being built in China and um, mortuaries being built in big parks in the States and you think, my goodness, like how bad is this going to get? Like, what's this going to actually be like? And then this sudden wave of anxiety thinking, crikey, like, what is this going to like, how are we going to be like, not just people who are vulnerable but everybody, you know, how mm. bad is this, I guess and then after a couple of days it all kind of settled down a little bit and we set, we kept seeing patients. This is, I guess, early March. We kept seeing patients face to face for a week or so. And then almost overnight that just stopped. And what's really hard, it's the same with you. So if you have a client, you gain so much rapport and so much, you take on so much information, whether it's consciously or subconsciously from someone's body language how they walk, how they move, how they look at you, how they hold themselves, um, their facial expressions. And in my GP job, I get up out of my chair, I go to the waiting room, I call somebody into the room, and I do that for myself to get a bit of exercise, but equally to pick up information on how the person looks, how they walk, how old they are, do they look their age, all the kind of stuff. So overnight, that's all gone. You've lost that complete sense. Like, it's as if you've lost your vision because... You don't know what they look like. You don't know how they're moving. You can't pick up the body language. So it's, it was very tricky initially to um, develop those skills. Now, as GP trainees, we develop skills on phone consultations and doing out of our shifts. You you do what's called telephone triaging. Um, but I would say that for most GPs, that's gone from 5% of their daily work to 95% of the daily work within a week. And it's just like the the work which has been done across GP surgeries and hospitals across the country is just mammoth. Like it's mammoth, and obviously we're seeing the the spin that's been put on the by the media about death rates and stuff. But you're talking about a whole profession having a quantum leap from traditional GP to digital health primary care overnight, and it's um, it's the most amazing story. So I'm in a position now where we're six weeks down the line and whereas i would normally see 15 patients in the morning 15 in the afternoon so we'll say it's now 15 phone calls in the morning 15 phone calls in the afternoon and some of those phone calls will generate a need a video and that's instantly better because you can see the person what do they look like how do they um are they in any distress um and you can make um some stab at a diagnosis of what the problem is if um, if that's appropriate on video but it's just nice to see people like feedback again um so the working day is 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 is, is very very different and there are some days when i walk into the surgery i wouldn't see anybody and walk home in the surgery um and that's it becomes a quite an isolated job but the first week or so i just was just very tired because you're just 
at speed developing a skill mm. but you're also taking on medical legal risk and you're also making decisions on people's healthcare um, remotely and you have got their notes in front of you and you're making educated guesses mm. and you're doing the best for the patient but it's 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 certainly a challenge definitely and i think from the public point of view like obviously i've seen a little bit of this because of, of my work with Nuffield and hear a few things behind the scene, but the public are kind of told, obviously, um, you know, onward referrals and things like that have completely stopped. And, and that's, yeah. you know, again, I've, I've got my own thoughts on how the media spin things, but we won't get into that. But then obviously things you used to do, see people in person, like you said, pick up cues, um, try to give them some energy and some positivity. But then obviously if you need to forward them on to next steps, um, you know, that, yeah. that obviously... Um, that that's on top of all the changes that are happening at your level in terms of going from in person yeah. to to digitally. So has has that you know over the six weeks has has, has there been a, a a bit more um in terms of some of the other routes opened up or is it still very much you do what you can and 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 things are obviously waiting and onward onward referrals are only for a you know yeah, a few so, key cases. Yeah, so so this this is a really interesting one, Matt, because when the decision is made for a certain healthcare policy to be adopted there is going to be collateral no matter what's happening. And the way the approach has been done here is that we're shutting down everything and streamlining everything to, I mean, as in we're shutting down um, services like cancer calls or routine appointments, routine surgery. And um, there's some, been some very good infographics out there to, to say why that's happening because the, the first wave can can override the, the healthcare system. Um, the knock-on effect of that is twofold. So what I see personally is that uh, patients have got new presentations which may be cancer-linked and which meet criteria to be referred onwards. And there's a national target of um, people being seen within two weeks of a referral being made for cancer. So that that's virtually stopped. You've also got the issue that patients aren't going to their cancer follow-up, um, which can have knock-on effects also. So cancer is almost its own subgroup. The second thing we're seeing is that um, patients are delaying their presentation to hospital with their own emergencies, which is resulting in much more significant pathology uh, at diagnosis. For instance, um, if someone has chest pain, normally they might go to their GP or they might call an ambulance or go to A themselves. And thankfully, for the majority of times, it's thought to have been musculoskeletal or it's a bit of angina. It's not technically a heart attack that needs a stent doing urgently. What's happening now is uh, people are sadly dying in the community or people are presenting to A&E with significant heart pathology because they may have had a heart attack several days before or having one currently. And... Um, pathologists are seeing advanced disease in the heart from heart attacks that they haven't seen in 30 or 40 years. Um, so, and also people having, you know, other issues in the community, like presenting very late with appendicitis. Uh, for instance, there's also quite a couple of friends of mine who are surgeons. So um, people are rightly staying away from hospitals when it's not appropriate, but equally there will be a general trend of, numbers of appendicitis that presents to a local hospital, numbers of heart attacks, numbers of strokes, and that will, that's pretty constant. Yeah. So uh, those people aren't presenting. Yeah. So it's still happening, but they're not presenting. And it's the same for cancer rates as well. So that's what I mean by I'm making a real conscious effort to really ramp up my lifestyle, self-management, because looking after myself now and be when normal service resumes inverted commas there's going to be a a lot of work to do and i want to be make i want to be sure i'm at the top of my game for when that happens because um it'll definitely be a marathon you know yeah exactly um and like you said it's on a case-by-case basis but even with someone like appendicitis i remember when i had it and you can you know, until probably at burst, I could have maybe stayed at home for a couple of days if you know i'd have been wary but then that would have been you know that would have been uh a real issue and you never know you know everyone's body reacts differently so mate, it's exactly. good to unpick all that you know and, it's important to have that conversation advice, yeah i mean I, I think the advice is you know these places are still open um gp surgeries there's still gps available on the end of the phone 
the ambulance service is still working, the hospitals are still open, and you know, if you're concerned about these things, you should seek medical advice as you normally would. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like I guess something that's, I guess mindful. But th- this is all predicted. So we know in in the healthcare data that it's almost we're kind of entering this kind of second wave not of covid patients but of non-covid patients so people coming with advanced issues because um yeah as you just said but because the services have been stopped or paused or people are staying at home for fear of catching covid in hospital for instance um so yeah it's an interesting time yeah yeah so if we take maybe um a step back in terms of the category so obviously we discussed like some of the advanced issues and people obviously delaying when they should be going in for like you said things like uh uh, presenting with um you know heart attack symptoms and uh, appendix and 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 some of those um issues around um you know kind of cancerous um cells and things like that um with with the lifestyle medicine and and some of your patients on medication or coming in and you know they might have had uh, some of these blood tests or something like that and we're talking blood pressure uh yeah. glucose lipid panel waist to hip uh, kind of ratio um, yeah. To give the listener a bit of a context, if they've heard a bit of that that kind of conversation and and some of the testing, um, you know, with general general public, and we don't need to kind of get down the the biohacking like uh, right. you know yeah. re- real technical side yet. Most people you speak to that have maybe had a couple of tests or a few measurements done and are presenting with things, how how does that kind of look and and sound for like general population with the people that you work with in your practice? Is that is that. Uh in terms of how things are going now or just in general yeah so i think a bit of both obviously since since we've spoken you've dug into like you said that metabolic syndrome side of things and you're working in yeah. in, in in prevention um but yeah, it'd be good yeah. to give to give the listeners a bit of context to to why that is you know people hear about okay. diabetes they hear they hear about hypertension and things like that but you actually you yeah, work sure. with people who who have these conditions yeah. uh, or okay, who sure. are knocking on the door of it um and and it'd be interesting to see kind of you know how you measure some of these things and then and then the process okay. uh, that goes into it really right yeah of course yeah well um this area of medicine for me just fascinates me because the current practice of medicine i would say across the board through fault of no individual practitioner tends to be a reactionary medicine so you wait for the problem you treat it or you wait for the problem to happen and then you you mitigate and you try and salvage and it's almost like we're waiting for the horse to bolt before we do something about it and there are very there are various reasons for that but in medical school and even now i thought well why wait for something to happen when you can put in measures in place to prevent in the first place and prevention as we know is better than cure not only for the patient but for healthcare economics as well so when I discuss this with patients, and this is on a case-by-case basis, and, and Matt, you know this, this space is so nuanced, it's totally individual, but there are certain principles that I follow. And one of the issues which I love to unpick with patients is with metabolic health, you can live with this illusion of false wellness for years and years and years. And you can have a, a full diagnosis of metabolic syndrome and, and there are criteria which you need to meet to have that diagnosis. But you could have type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes. You can have deranged um, lipids and high blood pressure. And you, and, and you could say, yeah, I'm a bit overweight. And that meets the criteria for having metabolic syndrome. But yes, you may feel completely normal. And yeah, but I feel fine. And the really tricky bit, and I guess what I love to do as a GP is use my medical knowledge and my humanities and my rhetoric, I I guess my people skills, to try and marry the two together. And that is the real privilege of my work because um, you're applying principles to an individual and you're giving that personalised packaged care. And every person's idea of lifestyle is different to the others. And we all have different ways which we can optimize that. Um, and really, what I love, Matt, is getting to other people and saying, well, you know, and I, I, again, I guess my, through my higher education, it was really humbling to have that realization 
that I went from being the doctor that told the patient something because I knew the information and I knew what they needed to know, which is completely biased, going to, well, actually, let's say you're the patient, I'll say, well, who is Matt? What's important to Matt? Where's Matt been? Where's Matt going? And how can I help Matt? And through that shift of being doctor information to doctor supportive and listening and finding out where we can improve things for you, where we can make things better for you, where we can make lifestyle changes enjoyable. Um, that's where I love kind of spinning the weave and kind of earning my bread, if you like. Mm. And nothing like that feeling that I get when patients come back, and I've got one particular chap in mind I'll tell you about. It, it just gives me this visceral response of like, God, that was amazing. Or isn't this amazing? Isn't this job great? And that is what gets me back going all the time so that's the kind of that is the it's what keeps me out of, gets me out of bed in the morning i'll give you an example <coughs> so about january time this year i had a chap came in um and he's in the 70s diabetic on insulin and he completely lost all sort of hope and he had lots of reasons to lack hope because his main issue for coming in was that he was started on tablets for what's called diabetic neuropathy. So he was beginning to lose the sensation in his feet. And this is a huge issue for diabetics because if you, if you're out in the park and you walk on a rusty nail, you're going to say, shit, that's quite sore. Oh my God, I just walked on a rusty nail. So you go home and you clean it and you wash it. If you're diabetic, and if you've got bad neuropathy, you won't feel like you've walked on the rusty nail. Yeah. So you, so you keep walking on it, walking on it, walking on it, and it can get infected, and that can um, that can lead to a ca- cascade of tragedy, which can often end in people losing toes, feet, legs. You know, the limb amputations are awful. So, anyways, this chap had neuropathy. He was started on his medication didn't work and he sat and he was 72 years old and he just he just started crying and he said doc i i i just ready to die i'm i'm just i have no life i can't walk i feel like i'm walking on pebbles all the time it's painful i'm taking all the medications i'm given everything's getting worse and i'm just i just feel like i'm just, I, i'm on the scrap heap waiting to die so really you know quite in there and an emotive and an emotional consultation and the earlier me would have kind of tried to jiggle the tablets a little bit and try and move the dials and see what we, you know possibly go for antidepressants um but having done the, all this extra work so actually let's take a step back here and say right well you know what's important to you what do you enjoy doing what did you used to enjoy doing his thing was golf it's like i can't even golf anymore I can't even get around in, in a buggy. So I said, right, okay, okay, okay. So I went into my um, metabolic health spiel. And in, in his case, if we could reduce his sugars, we'd improve his uh, glycemia, we would improve his neuropathy. Yeah. Now, I didn't go into all that with him. I thought, well, i got to give him some take-home messages. So I always apologize. I say, listen, I'm really sorry you've got diabetes. I'm really sorry you have. And it's often nothing you've done. It's often a mixture of lifestyle uh, and it's a mixture of your genetic predisposition. But we can do something about this. So he was checking his sugars and um, he was doing it kind of intermittently. And I said, what I want you to do is I want you to go home this week. I don't want you to do anything apart from this. I want you to eat your normal food. I want you to take your blood sugar before you eat and two hours after you to get your postprandial readings. Yeah. I'm going to give you a food list. It's, it's known as a planting list. Um, it's a traffic system, green, orange, red. And I said, I want, the first week, I want you to eat your normal food, take your pre and post. The second week, I want you to eat foods on this list and take your pre and your post, and then come back to me. So um, I said, I don't, I don't want you to do anything else. I didn't mention exercise, I didn't mention sleep, I didn't mention metabolic health, nothing. I said, can you just do this for me? So he said, yeah, okay, I'll do it for you. So um, 
he came in with his wife a month later and she nearly took the door off his hinges as she came in <laughs> she said and she said doctor you've given me my husband back she said he's up in the he's up, he's up in the driving range he's he started fasting his weight is down and just that simple thing he said i i thought i was going to die i thought i was dying yeah but actually what i realized is the food that i eat can impact on my blood sugar because i've got diabetes if i eat less sugary foods and high glycemic foods and i'm eating the food that you told me to eat i'm i'm full i'm satisfied i'm skipping meals because i'm not hungry yeah i'm losing weight my feet feel better and i'm back in the driving range and um that for me is like what an enormous privilege that is to be able to do that whereas two or three years ago i would have maybe gone for the antidepressants saying you know what yeah actually it's a bit crap for you. you're 72 like you know your diabetes is getting worse and worse and worse and worse and he's so if outside of covid he's due to have his blood done around now but i know they're going to be better because his his postprandial blood sugars went from 15s to 17s and now they're five six sevens and his insulin is down significantly and he's just a new man he's just like yeah it's almost like a flower was wilted that's now back up again and i thought wow this is and that's why i do what i do incredible yeah you know, that's that's why i do what i do and and um his graphs are very uh, inspiring and um it's just really nice to be able to have that impact on people's lives just through education words motivation listening what's important to the patient and going for it and it's um mm. yeah it's i mean those kind of i mean i might have one or two of those a year but they keep me going back for more about you know definitely yeah definitely and i think the key the key takeaway there i think one of the things i picked up was you obviously asked what did you used to do um and i like that question and then also on the flip side i'll, I'll ask clients i see you know what where do you want to be in the future and what do you want to do yeah, and obviously absolutely. with with that patient he was um you know it's it's bleak for him so obviously instead of you being like well look this is what you could do you you said you know what did you used to you, you used to play golf um do you yeah. do you want to try and get back there you know just take this food list give it a go and it's obviously one it's one tool in the toolbox and i think that's such exactly. you know that's such a great example mate and um and and, and as you say matt you know you, you're completely right and as as healthcare professionals we all have um toolkits and and what i say to one person i wouldn't say to another person and the real skill in being a practitioner or a kind of skilled communicator if you like is knowing which part of the tool kit you're going to use for which person yeah um and uh and it's great you know so um that was just a nice example of i guess you know people talk about biohacking people talk about longevity people talk about nootropics people talk about all this kind of stuff but it all comes down to the same kind of, it all comes down to the same corporate are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating right for you? Yeah. Are you relaxing well? You know, are you looking after you? And ultimately, it's kind of, it's not exactly a quantum leap, but you're looking to improve your mitochondrial function at the end of the day, really. That's what it comes down to from a longevity point of view. But you're only going to do that from looking after yourself as a human and what do humans need? Yeah. You know? So um, uh, I kind of, I'm interested in looking at these kind of, uh, discussions about biohacking but it all comes down to the same core principles really doesn't it i think definitely and i you know again i'm i'm no expert but i, I listen to quite a lot of people like you said in that area a, a huge chunk of them are american and between yeah. the ages of 30 and 60 so when i look at my granddad who's 94 and i think yeah. like you said there what a hero um obviously it goes without saying genetics will play a huge part yeah. to, to him yeah. getting there but also just the the basics like you said man of moderation grew up obviously in a different generation and when it comes to food but i think it's interesting what some of these people are saying and yes okay you know they're practicing on themselves and and they're very, they're highly intelligent individuals but when a you know when a 35 year old um or a 45 year old tells me oh you know i'm doing this so i can live till i'm 110 you just think well you know, you're, you're nowhere near there yet, mate. And like you said, anything yeah. can happen to someone. And we've seen that, um, obviously, in, in, in the current climate. Someone can be well in themselves, 
fit and healthy um and and then you know you, you they can barely breathe so it's um exactly it is and, a fascinating and, area and, but... and i would also i would go uh even further than that matt and i would um i would like ask like what are you rushing to the end for yeah what are you rushing to the end of the game for so um i'm not sure if, if you've come across um mo gaudat's work um He's a fascinating guy. Um, I've heard several of his podcasts now. Basically, I'll kind of go on a bit of a tangent here, but he's head of Google X. Um, he's a, I think he's a CEO of Google X. Yes. And um, fascinating chap. He studied as an engineer, but also taught himself to be a day trader. It was like for fun. Tr- and he was trading like mega, mega money. And... Um, He's written a book called Solve for Happy. He's written an equation for happiness. But uh, it's worth checking out. He's, he's done a podcast with Elizabeth Day called, uh, she's got a podcast series called How to Fail, and he's been on it twice. But he talks about his son in that, who sadly died during an appendix operation. But his son would always say, because they, they used to play video games together, and his, and his dad would always kind of get through the level to get to the next level. And the son's like, no, 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 no. Like, you've got to push yourself here and you've got to you know to, to, there's no point rushing to the end of the level then you get to the end of the game then the game is over yeah and i thought wow that's just like life like i know like we're i suppose people of our age and our generation and maybe a bit older as well they seem to be rushing to this kind of longevity and i want to live to 100 up and all this kind of stuff and i think well actually let's just stop and smell the roses here like what were we rushing for? Like, we seem to be rushing all the time. And even before COVID, I was rushing everywhere and my diary was full. And I thought, wow, I'm just like, I'm living, but I'm not experiencing and I'm not enjoying and I'm not taking time to kind of appreciate things. Like, yeah. for instance, on Sunday, I, I did an out-of-hour shift and I said to my wife, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a walk because um, well, I've got loads of time now, as we all have. So I went for about an hour's walk and um, got to this park and, like, I just noticed birds singing in a tree. And I thought, wow, that's actually really nice. Whereas before, I wouldn't have had time to go for a walk. I certainly wouldn't have noticed birds singing in a tree. And I, I, I just stood and listened for a while. I was like, God, that's actually really quite nice. Like, just, I guess that's mindfulness or, you know, whatever spin you want to put in it. But I thought, this makes me feel really happy to be here. And then I went home and, you know, I, just, I was in a good mood. But those kind of things, like, I suppose through what he was saying about rushing to the end, I, I've I always said to myself, I want to just stop and appreciate things on the way. And during this COVID time, I am doing that. I'm appreciating the small things, um, which is really helping me on a personal level to compartmentalise um, kind of ongoing COVID anxiety that we all have. Yeah. Um, which is really fascinating on a kind of public health scale. And then what I see as a GP with anxiety taking that for instance is a lot of people out there are in this kind of conscious anxiety state and it must be so hard for people like i'm lucky that i can leave work my income is unaffected and i can physically travel to get to work so i'm not in the house and i have no children so my day-to-day life as a doctor whilst the job itself is different when I get there, my stimulation is the same. I'm getting up for work, I'm having, yeah. I'm commuting, and I'm getting to work and I'm coming home, and I'm having some sort of routine. Um, but if you're living at home with several children, and you and your spouse are both working from home, and trying to homeschool, and worry about jobs, like, that is hard. So one of the legacies of all this is going to be significant anxiety at scale. Yeah. So we're going to look at, I guess, how um how we can help there so so with the the company i'm involved with uh we're uh, assimilating um significant data from our app users on just this so phq9 questionnaires on anxiety stress management yeah. and how can we develop further software to meet the needs of people kind of on the ground because it's a really difficult time for the people you know one hundred percent, and I think um, again, you know, if, if we circle back to some of the key points that you 
were talking about there. We can learn the how. There's a lot out there, like you said, in terms of yeah. exercise and, and nutrition practices to support mitochondrial biogenesis. I was reading about, you know, just tra- training in a in a lower energy state recently. That's a simple one. But then the why is obviously the key part and the master regulator. And that's how you're going to change habits. So that's how you can obviously get out of bed and start doing things. Um, so it comes down to that mindset side. And like you said, Absolutely. okay. The mindfulness, yeah, you know, getting in nature, etc. People can put a label on it, but then for you, that was an important tool. And you know, for for you, you found actually slowing down, getting out, listening to oh, the birds. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's that's the and, why. And, and I would even say, like, you know, we've all had. I mean, we've all had bad days in this crisis, and some more than others. But I've been like I've been I'll level with you, Matt. Like I've been going to work and I've started crying in the car. I've been tearful in the supermarket. I've been tearful walking down the street because part of me is like because we're humans, we're trying to problem solve all the time. Yeah. But with this with this COVID issue, there are so many unknown variables. It's just too hard to contemplate what's going on. There's so many moving pieces. Yeah. And then when I when I was trying to, I guess, get more information on it, you can get overwhelmed. And then it's just overwhelming and, and, and you have this limbic reaction to stress, I guess, which comes out in emotion. And what I've done now is I just I scale it back. Like, today's a Wednesday. I put the recycling out today because it's, it's the bin day. So once that had happened for me, today is one. I've achieved the day's objective. Get the bins out. Get the recycling in the right bits, the cans, the plastics, the paper. I'll probably mop the floor in the kitchen tonight. The day's done. I've done enough for the day. I've I've won the day. Um, and we've got a bed delivered to the house today, so I'll, I'll make the bed for the house. And that's it. I've achieved the day. I can remember I um, was having food with, with my best mate before COVID came down. And I said, you know, God, it's um, I find my day's off more stressful than my working days because <laughs> I give myself a huge list of things to do, which is completely unnecessary and it's not even realistic to get these done. I might achieve three things on the list, but I've missed out on the other four and I feel frustrated and then my whole day off is a waste. Whereas now it's like, well, you know, some things can wait till tomorrow. And it's about the small, the small daily wins because that's what's helping me to be aware of all this COVID stuff up here, which is impacting on us all. Yeah. But I can't do anything about it. All I can do is look after my own thoughts, look after my own lifestyle, look after my own environment. Um, because how can I be a good doctor or a good husband if I can't be a good person to myself? Definitely. And that's what I'm trying to, trying to do now, really. So um, looking after myself a bit more, I guess. Perfect. Now, I think, mate, that's important. Like you said, everyone can start there. And obviously people are going to have different lines of responsibility if that's family or if that's, you know, looking after members and and, um, partners or, you know, clients or um, people in their business or when you go, you know, people listening to this, going back to work and and I'm in the same boat. I'm like, right, okay, the the company that I do a lot of work for, I wonder how it's all going to go and what I'm going to do. But like you said, you can kind of, you can hopefully be effective by looking after yourself and then doing some of the small things at home because obviously that stuff's always going to be there. Um, so mate I think that's such an important point like you said we can we can go down rabbit holes and talk about testing and all that kind of stuff but I think at, at, at the end of the day it's important like you said just to touch on being open about thoughts and feelings um, and it's, it's great yeah. that you, we, we, we've got an example of a, of a case of, of someone who's really managed to turn things around using diet um, and, the, and the good thing is with some of the stuff you're doing it gives people an opportunity to log and stay in touch and then obviously you know, you guys Absolutely. and the team behind, you know, behind the the app and the and the programs that you're running. Hopefully, you know that 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 information will um be looked at and then. Um, well, it'll lead to change exactly. Yeah, where does it go, I, mate? I, if... what, I mean, we're in the information age where rather than if you're creating a service, you think, what do the target audience need to know? Coming from a position of knowledge, what do I want people to know? We're now flipping that on its head and we're, we're generating data. Yeah. What does the data suggest there's an appetite for? 
and let's create something for that. So, so you're meeting the on, you're meeting the on the ground demands by virtue of gathering your data to suggest that. Yeah. So um, that's really it's going to be a really exciting space come uh, coming in, um, and we're looking forward to going through all of of that data. Um, but I, I, you know, I think what's also nice is that. You know, we're all stressed, we're all worried, we all have these concerns about what's happening. But I must admit, you know, the average person on the street is really nice and pleasant and happy. And we are, I do find that we're scaling things back to really question, what are we really rushing back for in many ways? You yeah. know, obviously working and, and, and having our, our security would be you know, obviously nice. Um, but things like how many families are you seeing cycling around? Yeah, amazing. Who's never cycled around before. Or, you know, I know from my own family and, and friends, they're loving having family time where they have a meal together at the table. Yeah. Rather than, you know, dad eats later, mum eats earlier, whatever. It's now like the family unit again. Um, so I, I do hope some things stay and I hope other things return to what they have been before. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting getting all the data together and seeing where we can move things forward because there's definitely going to be a legacy of anxiety here for sure mm. yeah you're so right you know more more movement people are getting outside scratch cooking it's all fantastic so oh, mate, it's, especially and the cooking like how many friends have you seen start cooking and they're like posting like, that, that's great like it's yeah. so good that you're trying recipes and you're posting it and you know so many of my friends who used to cook at all are now scratch cooking as you say it's, it's cheaper it's, it's more economical it's more fun it's more tasty. It's better for you. Mm. Um, so I hope these things do stay. Yeah, definitely, mate. And if um, you know, before we round things off, if if people are listening to this, how can they get involved in some of the things you you were talking about? Obviously, you briefly touched on the low car program and a, and a few other things. But you know, what yeah. what can people do to to obviously you know support themselves with some of these tools, but then also support um, you know with in informing you know yourself and your team and when you're going through all the data and then like you said it will help with with healthcare in the future yeah so we've got two apps out there um uh well probably the two most uh helpful for our data is the low carb program and one called grow health gro um both unfortunately are behind behind a paywall um, but the low carb program has got a significant uh, significant sale at the moment, a significant uh, COVID sale. Cool. Um, that's really involved with big data. So um, with the low carb program, that is one of the first NHS approved apps. So certain parts of the country, patients are being prescribed this app um, in place of medicine. Uh, for lifestyle measures for people particularly with diabetes but actually we've got loads of patients who don't have diabetes who want to just lose weight or who want to improve um, other conditions we're going through final testing for PCOS for the low carb program as well which is very exciting um, and we've got several lifestyle hubs in there for for, for um, um, stress management as well so um, we're accumulating a lot of data from that and you know we're just trying to do what we can to see what the data says and then create services based on that rather than using specialists or expert opinion as to what they think on the ground needs are actually going to the market yourself yeah. and then finding out, finding out where the pulses of the, of the people. For instance, the only reason the low carb program started was because it was a huge search within the diabetes.co.uk forum. So that was a huge search on their forum. Oh, that's interesting. Several million people across the world. And this thing called Low Carb came up. So then they went down that rabbit hole, created the app uh, to meet that demand. Yeah. And then, so that's what the Low Carb program is. And then the Grow Health is Low Carb Program's big brother because that's got different nutritional streams so that's got low carb mediterranean fasting intermittent uh, intermittent fast uh, intermittent fasting along with exercises along with stress management along with sleep uh, sleep resources as well wow. so they're the two options cool um but we've had a, a big surge in people joining up since march um so we're hoping to crunch through all that data and try and find out what we're looking at amazing mate fantastic that's so useful and people can dig into those 
and if they want to follow you as well mate obviously um i'll pop your instagram and things up there yeah, as, great. Yeah, and absolutely. your twitter yeah, and you know if, if anyone um has any questions just please get in touch with me um as we've kind of touched on with matt today you know i think there can be an appetite for things like the new shiny things like biohacking but it all comes down to what you're doing most of the time yeah and you know there's that great uh, there's that great kind of cliche of the the young chap asks the, the old man in london how to get to albert to albert hall and he says practice 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 you know to have a long happy successful healthy life you've got to do the basics well all the time and make it a lifestyle and if you're not looking after your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition, and your stress management, forget your biohacking. Definitely, definitely. You know, but if you're going to make it into a triangle, the biohacking is the very, very top of the tip, and the lifestyle as the base. If without a base, it's going to fall down. You know. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you can lie on your um your fancy uh, cooling pad on another day. So I think it's uh, yeah, mate, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great place to finish. And I think, look, you've, you've given out a lot of good resources. You've given us one of your cases and mate, it's, it's great to catch up. You know, I, I'm definitely yeah, going to look at same. this grow health um, app and things. And I think, uh, you know, if we speak again, mate, it'll be really interesting to see how things have progressed, you know, when, when we get more users on those platforms and, you know, you, you have, you have a bit of data there. It'd be cool to maybe have another chat on the flip side and, and, and hear about yeah, um, what's going on. So cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can get, uh, what I can do now for a sec when we're still on is I can give you insight as to our, kind of uptake so far oh, amazing um and then you can kind of so it's not exactly a yeah yeah uh, we can put a uh, we can put a kind of stake in the sand and our then main see website, how things yeah. are so our main website is uh ddm.health um so if we look at um we've got a million global users now in 190 countries with 24 research studies either completed or ongoing um so it's a big old platform um so yeah so, so so that's what we're looking at wow. uh, our low carb program we've got just a, under half a million people globally on it now which is quite good uh and it's kind of helping us to use that data to generate more uh resources and skills and as far as i know grow is available uh, but if not i know we're having um a release for grow but i can send you some uh, pre-release stuff matt as well to have a look at cool Great. Mate, that's so useful. So useful. Fab, okay. Gonna catch up. Well mate, yeah, I'll, I'll leave you to um to cracking on with your uh with your mopping, mate, and um yeah, hopefully you got that yeah. recycling done. <laughs> and listen, you know, if, if there's an appetite to do more, I'll happily to, to do more if any of your listeners want to get in touch. Yeah. Either to you or to me, ask questions and um and, and, and we can do it again if there's an appetite for it. Definitely, mate. Cool, Fab. All right, look, thanks so much for your Good time. Um, like I said, lovely people. Pete's very approachable and you'll find everything in the show notes. Hopefully you found this valuable. And yeah, if you're listening to this, um, you know, things might have changed in the environment and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think it's obviously looking after yourself, staying well, continuing to social distance. And, you know, always remember if if, if you feel like you're, uh, you know, you're, you're needing urgent care, then definitely go in and seek it. You know, you don't have to stay at home if there's something serious going on. So um, fab. Speak soon and have a great week.